you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 5. We're just going to go ahead and jump on in. And Becky, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sending that material to Carlene about the AA and the, how the pastors can get. Shirley, Spunky's not here tonight, is she? No, okay. Her and Cameron, uh, we got some people that are very interested. Summer, uh, all, all, all kinds of people. Tom, Chris, uh, we got to get Becky. We got we to get up with Becky and tell her to get up in here. Sarah's going to help with this. I, I, I told you guys when I went to Galax and I saw how the AA and NA was ministering at that life center and how God was using that as a tool because for years uh, as a young preacher, how many of you know you say stuff when you're young sometimes that you wish you could take back? I wish I could go back and pull some stupid stuff I'd said. If there was a replay button, I would, I would delete that. But I saw how God was using this to reach drug addicts and, and people that were struggling with addiction and different problems. And see, we can set it up here, and a lot of times the courts will assign them to AA or NA or even celebrate recovery. But before they get out of here, we're going to hit them with a big dose of Jesus also, and we're going to see them saved, set free, healed, and delivered. Can I get a witness in here? The Bible said you'll be fishers of men. Well, you ain't never caught a fish if you didn't have bait. Shondai. The only way you're going to catch a fish, unless they just jump in your boat because you're so awesome, is you better have some bait. And the Bible says that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Any way we can use this facility and what the people that God has given us here to reach people, then I think we should do it. How many of you believe that? So y'all be praying about that, and we're working on that. Tom, my man Tom, uh, uh, where you at, Tom? Tom was working. All right, thank you, Tom. Everybody look at your cameraman behind you right there. Tom has set up the website. and uh, The website, how do you say that again, Tom? It's City on a Hill dash Tazwell. You could probably just Google City on a Hill Tazwell and get on the website. It is up and running right now. So would you all give Tom a hand clap for doing that? His business is more to come. And if you know of any businesses, he's just starting this out, launching this endeavor. If you know of any businesses that need a web page, uh, you know, he's got know how to use social media. That's what Tom does. So see Tom. He's got some business cards in the back. Or see us and we'll get in touch with him for you. It's a great thing. Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. When you are there, say amen. Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. I got three people that are there. If you are there, say amen. Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. I better, uh, where's my spectacles at, Shelly? You probably, yeah, you had them from there. Well, it's in those chairs. Right there, they are. Hallelujah. I'm doing magic tricks now. I'm going to wear these here spectacles. Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Are you there? It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed the great multitude of fishes, and their nets break. I want to preach a little while tonight from the subject of don't wash your net just yet. 
Somebody say, don't wash your net just yet. All right. Thank you, Father, for the blessing on the reading on your word, what you're going to say in Jesus' mighty name. Don't wash your net just yet. I just want to encourage somebody right off the bat. Don't give up on God just yet. Don't give up on the thing that God Almighty has placed in your heart just yet. One of the things and one of the challenges of leadership is to encourage people to get, keep going when they don't feel like going. Because I don't care what you do in life, what you experience in life, what you set out to do, what you set out to be. There are going to be times you don't feel like doing it. Say amen, somebody. If you set out to be the world's greatest sprinter, there's going to be days you're not going to feel like running. If you set out to be the world's greatest weightlifter, there's going, to be feel like, there's going to be days you don't feel like going to the gym. If you set out to be the greatest banker you can be, there's going to be times you're not going to feel like going into the office. Anybody that's ever done great things in life, there were times that they felt like quitting. Anybody that's ever experienced mountaintop experiences have had times before they got there that they felt like giving up. And one of the challenges of the church and of leadership is to tell people not to give up too soon, not to give up too early. I have seen people come right on the edge of acquiring the thing that God put in their heart and give up on it. How many of you know that it gets hardest right before breakthrough? I'm trying to tell somebody that if you're crying more now than you've ever cried, it means you're closer now than you've ever been. I wish I had some help in this Presbyterian church. My pressure is an indication that I'm almost there. You see, when the children of God were far away, far away from the promised land, they didn't see giants and they didn't see obstacles. But as, as the closer they got, the more apparent the problems were. And the enemy didn't have to worry about you when you wasn't thinking about church and when you wasn't thinking about Jesus. But the, when you begin to press into the things of God, the problems become more apparent. So if you're seeing problems, that means you're closer to the promise than you have ever been. So many times we quit just shy of change. We give up right before our lives change or before our marriage changes or before God did that, does that thing that he spoke in our heart he was going to do. How many of you know, and I didn't know this until somebody told me, that the boiling point of water was 212 degrees? Oh, I got some educated people in here. Tanya knew that. When Rick knew that, I didn't know that. I thought it was 100 degrees or 100 and something. Now, you know, I didn't know it was 212 exactly. But the minute the temperature gets to 212, that water begins to change. Which means I could leave the temperature at 211 and nothing would happen. One degree shy of 212 would let that water remain exactly like it was. I'm preaching about right now. But that one extra degree provides the atmosphere that causes that water to turn into steam. That's why hell fights the atmosphere of the church because we might be one praise away from somebody getting saved. My God, I can't get no help. We might be one hallelujah away from somebody getting free from drugs. We might be one worship service away from a family getting changed. I wish somebody give God a praise if you want to turn up the atmosphere and see change occur because I'm tired of seeing people come to church depressed and leave depressed. I'm tired of seeing people come to the house of God and their lives never really seem indifferent once they leave this place. There's something about God that wants to change his people, that wants to transform his people. Say amen if I'm preaching right, y'all. And one of the challenges of leadership is to encourage people right when they're on the verge. That's when you're going to feel like quitting. 
When God's getting ready to turn your marriage around, that's when you're going to feel more like quitting than you've ever quit. When God's getting ready to do something in your ministry, that's when you're going to be more discouraged than you've ever been. I'm preaching not out of a book, but I'm preaching out of personal experience. Anytime before great breakthrough came, there was a great battle. And I've been in this thing long enough to realize that if a battle's going on, it's because the enemy ain't got you yet and it ain't over yet. I don't worry about people till they quit fighting back. I don't worry about people till they no longer lift up their hands and they no longer come to church and they just they start washing their nets. They start giving up on what God Almighty has for them. I believe if you're in here tonight, it's because you hadn't given up. I believe if you came to church tonight, it's because there's some things on the inside of you that God Almighty wants to resurrect in your heart and in your life. If I'm right about it, somebody give him a hand clap of praise right now. Leadership, it, it, the challenge of leadership is to get people to go forward. God didn't call us just to have good church. If all we have is good church and we don't affect this community and we don't affect Tasman, we don't affect Richland, but we just come in here and have good church, good church is not what it's. I didn't come to City on the Hill. We didn't start this just to have good church. We came here to turn a community upside down. I want to see people get off the needle. I want to see people get off the bottle. I want to see people lay down the gun that they were getting ready to take their life and lift up hands and pray. I want to see revival. Is there anybody that still wants to see revival hit Tassel County? And so God puts a church in the community to lead people out of darkness, out of depression, out of bondage, to let them know there's hope. And I just want you to know tonight that no matter where you're at on life's journey, there's hope for you. What amazes me is Jesus was the greatest leader that had ever been on the planet. And can you imagine the pressure that was on Jesus' life? Because the pressure was, find you 12 disciples and use them, walk with them and train them. And they're going to be the ones that I use to preach the gospel to the nations. If I were Jesus and I had just 12 people that I had to hand pick and use, I wouldn't have picked none of the jokers he picked. I wouldn't have picked Peter because he was always sticking his foot in his mouth. I wouldn't have picked Thomas because he was always doubting. I, would, I definitely wouldn't have picked you to say man, somebody. When you study the 12 disciples that he picked, you wouldn't have picked them and I wouldn't have picked them. But that was God's way of showing us that with him, it's not about where you start. It's about where you finish. I can't get no help in here. God don't just see what you've been through. God sees what he wants to bring you to. God did that to show the church not to judge people based on where they are when they come. Don't judge them based on the past that they had or the struggles that they had. That it's not about where they've been. It's about what God put in them. The problem with many leaders is they can't look past their flesh and see the purpose that God put on the inside of them. I just come to tell somebody tonight, your purpose is greater than your pain. Your purpose is greater than that, that stuff around you that your family can't get past and that others that know you can't get past. Jesus had the ability to look at people that were down and say, I can do something with you. I want you to know that Jesus has the ability to look at you and say, I can do something with you. Some of the greatest leaders and greatest people I know, they have been discarded by family members. 
They have been discarded and ostracized by churches and religions and denominations. But when Jesus found them, he had a way of doing something awesome in their life. I'm just trying to let somebody know tonight that no matter how broken you are, my Jesus knows how to put you back together. And no matter how many people have told you you ain't worth nothing, I've come to tell you you're worth a lot in the eyes of God. Jesus had a way of looking at these disciples said, I can do something with you, I can do something with you, I can do something with you. But what captivates me about this text is when Jesus came to them, yeah, y'all got to get this, they were washing their nets. Jesus, looking for some of the greatest leaders he would ever have, he finds them washing their nets. Do you know what that means? I studied it out. In the Hebrew culture, if a fisherman was washing their nets, I used to think it meant they were done for the day. It didn't. It meant they were done for good. It was symbolic that they were giving up completely on what on fishing, on the thing that he called them to do. If I were Jesus and I was going to pick out somebody that could stand the fire, and I was going to pick out somebody that could help me build the church, I wouldn't walk past a bunch of quitting fishermen and say, I can use you. Because the last thing you want in a leader is somebody that will quit at the drop of a hat. Am I right about it? The last thing you want in a leader is somebody that's going to get their feelings hurt and go home every day. Am I right about it? But Jesus had a way of saying, it ain't about where you are now. It's about where I can take you. You may be a quitter now, but by the time I get done with you, I'm going to teach you how to take a licking and keep on ticking. After three and a half years of walking with Jesus, Peter didn't quit no more. After three and a half years of walking with Jesus, these, these, these scoundrels and misfits and nobodies were the ones, by walking with Jesus, they had the audacity to stand up and turn the world upside down. I just want you to know if you ain't got it all together, that's okay. Just keep walking with Jesus because by the time he's done with you, you're going to be able to do what he said. I wish I had some help in here on a Wednesday night. So, Jesus walked with them, and in the walking, he built something. He was able to pick misfits and nobodies, but by the time he was done with them, he had led them into something greater. I'm not doing my job if we just have good servants. My ultimate job is to lead you into the purpose that God Almighty has for you. Lead you into the thing that God put in your heart, that God put in you, in your mama's womb. Jesus had a way of getting these people and disconnecting them from where they've been and releasing them to the thing that God Almighty had for them. The big, one of the biggest challenges of leadership is disconnecting you from the voices that you used to hear, from the people that you used to be around, and from the environment that you used to come from. I realize many times when I'm preaching, I just see you, but there might be ten voices of yesterday that are trying to talk you out of what God's saying today. Many times we're fighting denominational lies, denominations that told you God couldn't use you, God couldn't bless you, God couldn't forgive you, God couldn't use a woman, all that stuff denomination teaches. And many times I'm preaching against what your grandmama told you or what your parents taught you about God. And so, so many times before I can connect you to the truth of what God wants to do, you have to get disconnected from the lies that have been placed on you. Because so many times the biggest problem with people are the lies that the enemy told them before they got here. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But if you get connected to a lie, it's hard to hear the truth. That's why I said believe a lie and be damned. If the enemy can get you to live under a lie about God, 
about yourself and about your future. And if we don't dismantle you from that lie, it don't matter how much preaching you hear and how much you shout. If you go home and believe the lies of the enemy, your life will never be the change. But when you begin to realize I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I can do what God said I can do, everything in your life begins to change. Jesus came to these men, and he began to disconnect them from their yesterday and launch them into their tomorrow. Listen to me now. Anytime God gets ready to lead you out of something, you're always going to have opportunity to go back. There will always be an opportunity to go back into the thing that God's trying to pull you out of. Say amen, somebody. Do you remember when Elijah and Elisha were walking together? Three times Elisha said, go back. If Elisha would have been like modern church people, he would have went back. Do you remember when Naomi is with Ruth and, Ruth and Orpah? And she says, y'all go back to your people. Orpah took her up on it and went back. But Ruth said, I ain't going nowhere. Even the people that followed Jesus, they loved it when he was turning the water into wine and he was multiplying the bread and the fishes. But one day Jesus stood up and said, except you drink my blood and eat of my flesh, you'll have no part with me. And the minute he said that, the Bible said, and many of them followed him no more. At that moment, I mean, I can't imagine that right there, trying to build a church the way Jesus did. He always gave an opportunity for people to come back, or for people to go back. Here's what I found. There's some people that are like Peter, and they say, I don't have anywhere to go back to. I've came too far to turn back now. Am I preaching to anybody that's been serving the Lord too long to go back now? I wouldn't know how to dance at the club if I went back to it. Give me some help in here. I wouldn't know how to do like I used to do anyhow. I've been in this thing for over 20 years, and I don't have a past to go back to. And I just come to tell you, baby, you've came too far to turn back now. You're one degree away from everything in your life changing. If you felt like giving up and said, I ain't going to, I dare you to praise him anyhow. I dare you to give God a praise that says I'm going to make it anyhow. So many times, right before, I mean, I, I can't stress that enough. Right before breakthrough, that's when the enemy's going to mess with your head. Mess with your relationships and try to try to make voices of yesterday talk you out of your tomorrow. Me and Carlene were laughing because this week, and I can't go into detail, cannot. But this last seven-day period of my life, people from way back. How many of y'all got some people from way back? Now, I'm talking way back. I got some people from way back. They still see me for who I used to be, BJ. I mean, one, a couple of them I played football with. And... They always try to pull me back into where they, I was when they met me. And they don't see me for who I am now that God got a hold of me. And you're always going to have people in your life that are going to roll up on you and try to pull you back into a previous season rather than realizing God done brought you out of that season and that's not who you are anymore. They might have met you when you were a drug addict, but you ain't a drug addict anymore. They might have met you when you were depressed, but you ain't depressed anymore. They might have met you when you was a sinner, but you ain't a sinner anymore. I wish I had somebody on a Wednesday night that came to have some church up in here. Now watch what Jesus did. The Bible said Jesus, he came up to them and he said, I need your boat. They're washing their nets, Jerry. They're giving up on everything. And Jesus, there were two boats, but he only got one of them. That means the other guy with the other boat, he didn't get nothing from God. That, that tells me you can have two people in the same church service. And one of them come hungry, 
one of them come desperate, they're going to get something from God. And the other person comes so full of themselves and just distracted by things. Same problems, but different mindset. The mindset you bring in here determines what you get out of here. And Jesus got onto the one boat, which was the boat of Peter, but it mesmerized me because the boat was the place of his greatest failure. I'm about to preach up in here tonight. Jesus said, Peter, I got something for you. I want to use your life, but I don't want to use what qualifies you. I want to see if you will hand me the last place you failed, and I'm going to use that to preach off of. What I'm trying to tell somebody is my God is so awesome, he can take your pain and turn it into a platform. He'll take the failure you had and use that to minister to other people I wait, if you've ever had God turn a thing around let somebody know act like church tonight what makes God so awesome is he's able to take what man can't use and he said I can use that for my glory did you know that some of my best sermons and the times when God's really using me it doesn't come from my successes it comes from my failures we don't like to preach about that. We don't like to talk about that. But if you talk to any preacher behind the scenes, they would tell you that that's the truth. That where God did the biggest works in their life is when they handed him that broken thing. That thing they couldn't use. That thing they couldn't believe didn't work. See, as long as it was just Peter and his boys in the boat, it was broken. But the minute Jesus got in the boat, everything changed. Because at that moment, it was no longer Peter's purpose, but it was the Lord's purpose. As long as you're the captain of your faith, as long as you're the captain of your ship, there ain't no telling where it's going to sail. But if you ever let Jesus at the helm and say, God, my life may be broken, my mind may be broken, my heart, my marriage may be broken, but I'm giving you the broken failure of my life, Jesus will stand up in the middle of that thing and he'll use it for his glory. I promise you he will. Jesus stood up in that boat and said, where you failed, I'm going to use I just I want to challenge somebody tonight. Can you dare to believe that the God that we serve is able not to banish you because of your failure, but to actually use that as a platform where he reaches other people? Maybe one of the reasons I preach with the passion I do is because I know what it's like to sit in the pew and feel like I was unreachable, feel like I was untouchable. And now many times I believe what's going on is God is using the pain that I went through, the failures that I had as the platform he uses to grip people that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't went through that and I hadn't given it to God. Jesus got on that ship and he said, I'm going to use this for my glory. But what, what blesses me more than anything now is Jesus said, here you are in the shallow, but if we're going to catch fish, you got to launch out into the deep. I'm about ready to preach right now. You can't catch the big fish in the shallow water. You can't get the deep things of God running around with shallow people. You can't get the blessing of tomorrow running around with mud puddle people that don't want no, I, I came because I don't want 30 minute church services. I want a move of God. I'm tired of shallow religion. I want to see people saved and healed. I'm tired of little things that don't matter. It's around in a mud puddle and acting like we had church I'm ready to see the arms grow back blind eyes open people get out of well I wish I had somebody that knows there's more to God than what we've seen it's mud puddle religion shallow relationships shallow people and you wonder why you got no depth in your life you wonder why you got nothing nothing going forward Sometimes people come to me and they, they want me to be like a genie in a 
bottle. And they want me to tell them their future. You know, like if I just speak in tongues and you shake me three times, I can tell you something. But I'll tell you what I can do if you'll give me your contact list on your phone. If you will give me the people that you talk to the most during your day and let me look at those people and see where they're at, I can pretty much pinpoint where you'll be in 10 years. Every time in my life I've seen, I'm trying to help somebody. Every time in my life I've seen somebody of great potential get surrounded with shallow people that didn't want nothing out of God, that didn't want nothing out of life, and always tried to hold them back. If that is the only setting you have, you will always be limited, and their future becomes, their present becomes your future. Look at your friends, and that's where you're going to be in 10 years. That's why I'm at a place in my life, if they ain't serving God, I, I, can't, I can't roll with them all the time. I still love them. I'm praying for them. I'll help them out of a ditch. But if I'm going to let somebody into my life, I need to know that they know how to get a hold of Jesus. I I need to know that they believe the God we serve is able to save, heal, and deliver. I need somebody that's sick and tired of shallow church and sitting there pouting, but they want to see God move in this day. And so Jesus said, if we're going to do something, we got to launch out into the deep. We can't give up, right? They were washing their nets. What I found out is you can be sitting in church with makeup on. Sitting beside your husband, but on the inside you're washing your nets. You can be on your job acting like everything's okay, but on the inside you're washing your nets. I found out you can be in ministry, preaching, reading the Word of God, but on the inside you've done give up, and you're washing your nets. So many times people have given up on the things of God, and they've quit one degree short of what God Almighty had for them. There was a man one time and I heard him say that when you take quitting out of the equation, you make your life a lot simpler. As long as quitting is an option to you, that's always going to confuse you. But the moment you say, I know what I've been put on this earth to do, I know what my assignment is, and quitting is not an option for me, you remove a lifetime of troubles for you because no longer can the devil run up to you in the hard time and say you can always give up. I just come to tell somebody right now that you are about ready to wash your nets. God just wants me to tell you, don't give up. You're one degree away from change. You're one praise away from breakthrough. You're one step away from what God wants to do in your life. But I know I've seen people press the increase. And I've seen them make progress. But they stop just a little shy of the thing that God Almighty has for them. And Jesus said, let's launch out into the deep. They launched out into the deep. And those nets that they're giving up on as Charlie begins to play, those nets that they're giving up on, they cast out into the deep place. And when they cast out those broken nets into the deep place, once Jesus' blessing was on it, it began to catch so many fish that they couldn't even reel them in and the boats began to sink. That's the difference between having God's blessing and not having God's blessing. I've seen people in marriages and they were walking out from under the covering, the covenant of God. And all that changed in their life was they opened up their failure and let Jesus come on in. And before you know it, their finances begin to be blessed. Their marriage begin to be blessed. Things that used to struggle begin to be blessed. Not because they suddenly had a higher IQ. It was because they had a covenant with God. 
I'm telling you, it's, it's simple, but it's true. Jesus makes the difference. The reason me and Carlene have been able to be married for 22 years, thank you, Jesus. Carlene said happiest six months of her life. The reason we've been able to be married 22 years is because Jesus has been at the center all 22 years. It don't mean it wasn't sometimes she didn't act up. There was a few times she acted like her mama. Hi, Mama Kathy. There was a few times. But because Jesus was at the center of our marriage. See, when we were getting married, the preacher said marriage is like a pyramid. He said God is at the top, the man's at one side, the woman's at the other. The closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. I found out my relationships with people go better if my relationship with him's all right. How many of you know that? That's why the Bible says, yeah. That's why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. I want you to stand to your feet in here tonight. Because Naomi, she knew she had to get back to Bethlehem, Judah, but she looked at Orpah and Ruth. Both of them come from the same place, the place that never changed. And she said, y'all go on back. Orpah went back to her people. But Ruth said, I'm going with you. Jonathan came into covenant with David. And Jonathan knew in his heart that God had something for him with David. But Jonathan never could get over the voice of his father. And instead of Jonathan reigning with David, Jonathan died on a battlefield with his father. And David wept and he cried like a baby. Because he knew there was so much more in Jonathan than to die on that lonely battlefield with his father. But so many times you've got to untangle yourself from the voice of your earthly father to grab a hold of the voice of your heavenly father. Sometimes you've got to untangle yourself of all the negative stuff life spoke over you. To grab a hold of the great things that God is speaking over you. You can say, Father, in this hour, so much pain in this world right now. You start talking about fathers and I see eyes tear up. I see grown men shake under the weight of that thing because you didn't have the right relationship with your father. And so many times we, we miss God because we see him as father. But if we had an earthly father that wasn't, didn't love us, wasn't good to us, we think, well, that must be how he is. I've just come to tell somebody he's a good, good father. Wave at me if you know he's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. He don't give up on you. He don't walk away from you when times get tough. I've got two kids, and there are times they don't act like preacher's kids. But they're still my crazy kids. How many of you know that? And I'm there for them. I'm there with them. The Bible says, if I, being evil, know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Spirit to them that love Him? I want you to lift your hands right now, and I want you to know that God brought you here because He sees that part of you that's washing your nets. He sees that part of you that's about to give up on life and say, is this all there is? Is this all, is this all that happened? Is this what i got to put up with? I know it's simple, but God just wants me to tell somebody, Josh, don't wash your net just yet. Don't wash your net just yet. Keep on walking. Peter had a lot of opportunities to give up on God, but something on the inside of him kept on walking and on the day of Pentecost this preacher named Peter was the one that stood up and preached the first sermon of the new covenant 3,000 people were saved that day all because Peter kept walking see sometimes all you know to do is keep walking you don't have all the answers you ain't got to figure it out God just says keep walking with me 
God came up to Abraham, a rich man, and he said, walk with me. Abraham didn't know where they were going and how long it was going to take them. He just started walking with the Lord. See, faith don't know all the details. When I first started walking with the Lord 20-some years ago, I didn't see this building. I didn't see me as a pastor. All I knew is God said, I know you're broken, but I want to take you by the hand and start walking with you. I thank God every day of my life that I took that walk with Jesus. I want you to lift your hands to God tonight. Because I don't care where you're at in life, what mistakes you made, what people say about you, what people think about you, what you think about yourself. doesn't matter. What matters is that thing God put in you. What matters is the fact that you're on this planet not to be miserable and not to just exist. You're here to live. Jesus said, I'm coming that they might have life and have it more abundantly. This pulpit exists, but I'm living. Let me ask you tonight, are you existing or are you living? Because there's a world of difference. Every hand raised, Spirit of the living God, I thank you for people that you've brought in this place tonight to speak life to, to breathe into, to minister to. God, I thank you for the family. I thank you for the friends. I thank you for the first-time visitors. God, I thank you that your Spirit is able to grab them right where they are and minister to them. Minister hope to that person that's washing their net. That the enemy, even this week, I feel this so strong, has whispered in your ear, it's never going to change. He's even told you you're deceiving yourself that it's never going to get better. I know I'm talking to some people right now. If that's you, it's cold outside, 20-some degrees. But something in you pressed through the cold weather to get to church tonight. It'd be a shame to come this far and not get that thing you need. You might be one degree away from God raining on your broken places. One praise away, one response away from everything in your life turning around. I was at a Holy Ghost service as a young man. The preacher was conducting an altar call like this. And I stood back there. And there was a part of me that wanted to go forward so bad. But there was another part, and everybody has this part, that said just stay where you are. Listen to me. If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. Maybe this is the point where change happens. If that's you, I want you to step out of your seat right now. And I want you to come up to this altar because I believe God's got some people here on this cold March night to move in your heart, in your mind, and in your life. If that's you, I want you to come right now. Hey, man, God bless you, my brother. Give him a hand clap at God bless you, sis. Others pressing through things and God's still moving. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Altar workers, I want you to come around these. If, you, if you're broken tonight, maybe you're at the place of failure. Maybe your life's like that boat that ain't working anymore. Jesus says, give me your failure, and I can do something with it. I'm not standing here because I was a success. I'm standing here because I was a failure that life couldn't do nothing with, but Jesus did. Others, I'm going to wait on you right now. God bless you, Tanya, for praying with you. God's moving for you, sis. God's moving for you, Chris. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If the Holy Ghost don't do it, it don't get done. But I believe the Holy Ghost is speaking to people tonight. If you're in here and you say, I'm not saved, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord, I will never embarrass anybody. That's not what I do. But maybe you came tonight because you're wondering if God could save you. Maybe you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. If that's you, you say, Pastor, I want to be saved. Or I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. If that's you, would you lift your hand to where I could see it tonight? 
I'm looking for you. If there's anybody, I want you to know this altar is open. And as Charlie sings, and we're praying at this altar, if you need prayer or if you need to be saved or rededicate your life, please come up here. Don't leave this church one degree shy of what God wanted to do.
those hands to the Lord. Just one more time. Just one more time. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just give Him praise right where you're at. Sometimes that secret praise is the most powerful praise. The stuff you praise Him for that you can't tell nobody about. Just between you and Jesus things he forgave you of, the dark places he moved on in your life. God, I thank you. I thank you. Sis, he's moved for you tonight. I promise you, he's moved for you. He's moved. Father, I thank you that you are in this place, that you brought these precious people here tonight to drop a seed in them, a deposit. God, I thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return void, but it will accomplish that that it was set out to do. God, I thank you that increase is coming in their life, peace in their mind, that things will be changed in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Give Pastor Bobby a hand clap as he comes. I'll be right back out. All right, city on a hill, give the Lord a hand clap. You're glad you came to church tonight. Amen. Amen. Give Pastor Barry a hand clap. What a word. Great word. I was thinking about me and my son, Dylan. Uh, we've done it for years. And I've been, I've been fortunate enough.